Welcome to episode 124 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and you can find me on Twitter, Danning the Man at SEATJK. And with me, as always, is Chris. Where can we find you getting the least out of yourself, Chris? Well, you can find me running for president of Chaz at CD Villasenor uh, on the Twitter. Is that one Z or two? <laughs> it's the one Z <laughs> of the Chaz. <laughs> Do you want to explain to our listeners what that is? So I've been obsessed with Chaz like all week. So it's uh, Chaz is the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, which is currently the center of the Seattle BLM movement. (laughs) The BLM movement. I shouldn't probably call it that. Um, But it's just it's a really interesting social thing that's going on and i just i can't get enough reading about it and uh there's actually a really great reddit sub (laughs) there's a subreddit and it's um and it's 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 hours of hours of interesting reading okay but probably more on that as we as we go all right sounds good yeah we're going to touch on that um so tonight we're going to be focused on solutions to do the most with the least as i tell my children the only thing we can control is our effort In segment number one, we'll start with a look at the state of authority in these United States and how we might be able to make some reforms on the side of adjudication of the law, followed by an analysis of fantastic claims of skill that were perhaps derailed by alcohol. And finally, we'll talk about what's in a name and how bad branding can limit even the most well-crafted products and people. Beyond the buzzer, we'll pause for kind of a comeback week for Dejawa. Oh, nice. Yeah. Before heading to the OT for some thoughts on the pros and cons of skirting the rules to maximize your returns. Interact the show on Twitter at 2on3pod or hit us up via email at 2on3pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. But before we get into it, did you get tear gassed in your week off, Chris? <laughs> no, I've, I would, you know, I don't really want to get tear gassed. I don't know if anybody really wants to, but I uh, I did manage to avoid it. Thankfully, I don't. Uh, I, I don't involve. I don't involve. I tend to not involve myself in those kinds of situations. This is not really my. It's not really my thing. Yeah, we had some tough conversations with our kids in the last couple of weeks. They obviously want to know what's going on in the news and sure. And um, I mean, I I don't even mince words about Trump anymore. Like, I'm just like, yeah, so the, one of the big problems we have is the president's a huge racist. That's one of the big... We talked about how people get treated differently because of the way they look. And they understand that that's not right or nice. And, that, you know, they wouldn't like it if it was them. Um, when it comes to participating in the protest, you know, I have a lot of conflicted feelings on it. If I was a different position in my, in my life, I, I might have been out there a couple of nights. But uh, the way I look at it right now, between the pandemic and, and you know, having a family and whatnot, I, I, there's very little to be gained from my presence and a lot to lose. And I feel like all I would be doing is putting my own, my, or not my own, but putting my family at risk in a way that wouldn't necessarily benefit the movement. And I know that probably sounds really selfish. And I think that's given me a lot of conflicted feelings about this, which is maybe going to lead into why I ended up analyzing what, you know, becomes the crux of our segment one here. Uh, because I wanted to, you know, I'm, I'm a solutions oriented guy. Sure. And, and I wanted to come up with some ideas that I thought might actually take. And so that's kind of uh, what I focused on to start with. So with segment number one, um, I, okay, let's just be clear. Um, I don't want to set the tone the wrong way, but I also saw something hilarious that just that made me laugh, which is just, you know, every once in a while you get a really nice, succinct tweet that sums up the situation. And somebody said, if the police just did their jobs, there, w- there would be no problem. Ain't no song called Fuck the Fire Department. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, sort right. of that, that really kind of summed it up. Now... I'm not going to get into how we got here and, and, and all the things that go into that. I wanted to focus on sort of threading the political needle, if you will, here. Mm. Um, the idea that to get the correct result, right, a, a reform result at a rate of change that's fast enough, but that a selfish person would like, like not likely to be, to, would not likely hold a strong position against. So my goal is to basically to let appropriately, appropriately diverse regions make equitable decisions about how they're policed. So you want to hear my plan? Sure. <laughs> All right. So I, I think that this may, this is sort of the, this is, I think this is influenced by the quarantine, the lockdown and everything else. The idea that a lot of things that we used to do in person can be done remotely pretty successfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that maybe we need to re-examine how we do like the trial system and specifically, obviously the police complaint system. Now, 
I'm going to address the sort of police union power and stuff. So don't poo-poo me so so quickly when, when I start to get into this. But All right. Well, let's say we like just completely changed the way that these kinds of complaints were adjudicated. You had a bad interaction with the police. You brought it to the court. And it was basically a written, in, a written jury system, like a large jury, like maybe 100 people, maybe 1,000 people. I don't know. But you'd have to select it from like a diverse socioeconomic pool. Um, it'd have to be community-based where the community is defined as a large enough radius to meet like necessary racial and economic diversity requirements. Basically, you have to like rule out the ability to build an enclave, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have like, you know, the white neighborhood where you, think you get the only, <laughs> all your right injures are white people. Okay. And, and, and vice and, versa. And vice versa, obviously. yes, yes. Yep. Uh, and so all these jurors are provided with affidavits from the complainants, the witness, any witnesses, the police, um, all video evidence is made available, uh, evidentiary rules that we're used to sort of apply. So if you're the cop and you shut your body cam off, you're going to lose the case, basically, right? Like you, you've, you've tampered with the, the crime scene, essentially, destroyed evidence. Um, a standard set of charges and acquittals, this is the trickiest part, like charges, acquittals, and damages, like a very wide but specific range, basically a radio button selection, like a long one. Right, like this, maybe different levels that are separated even by subcategories. So all jurors review the evidence and then basically answer a survey on the charges. So that's the crux of the idea. I have some more to add to it, but what, what's your take right off the bat? Well, I mean, well, my take off the right off the bat is it's this already it's already difficult, <laughs> and I don't know if this makes it. This might make it more sort of equitable, but I'm not really sure if it makes it more. I don't know if it makes it easier. Now, what's funny is I grew up in a tiny ass town, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the police in my town, when you grow up in a small town, it's like a, a completely different experience. Like if you're wilding around and the cops catch you, the last thing they want to do is make like more work for themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, Hey, you kids quit, quit, quit jerking around. And you're like, Okay, and then you basically stop. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like there's not a lot of what I would consider crime that went on in my hometown of you know 5,500 people. You know, but it's but but it was it was it was that kind of a you know we we had you know again sort of a respect for what you know we knew we were screwing around and we knew we should have been doing some things and when the cop comes and catches you TPing someone's house or you know doing juvenile type things. They just tell you to hey, quit it. Right. Sure. Even, even to the point where even when you're a little older and you're doing things that are slightly more juvenile delinquent, um, still it's the same thing, right? There's, it's a community, right? Your community takes care of you. But that's the problem, now, right? Is a lot now, of, we've it, lost a lot of the connection there. Exactly. So what happens is in a large city, it's not like, you know, this, this particular neighborhood sees the same five police officers all the time. Right. The cops so are commuter employees. Right. So yeah. what happens is the, the police come to your neighborhood. If you're wilding around, they, you don't have a relationship with anybody. You don't, you don't know the police. The police don't know you. You know, if, if it's like, oh, that's so-and-so, and yes, he's a little bit wild, but he's mostly harmless, let's just tell him to quit jacking around, and, maybe, and he'll probably stop. And then they go, hey, Billy quit wilding around and they say and the bill and billy says all right sorry officer johnson i'll, I'll quit screwing around and then they, they go home right. you know what i mean like you know the person now when you when that particular when that relationship breaks down in large cities it's hard it's it's it becomes it policing becomes an entirely different exercise well and it's, that's what i aim to solve right is this create this accountability in the community this idea mm-hmm. that if you're policing this area this is the population that you're accountable to i, I essentially i'm proposing universal mail-in jury duty <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but i think i think that before we even get to these complaints i think that that there's a you know i think the the as i've been reading things like one of the autonomous zone like like um de- demands was something like um hospitals here it is uh, hospitals should should uh, we demand the hospitals and care facilities of seattle employ black doctors and nurses specifically to help care for black patients i mean okay i mean but that really kind of more speaks to community to me well it's there's like, evidence we want, though we want we want you know what they want is what they want is you know we want people 
who represent our community to help us in these wa- in in these ways in terms of healthcare, uh, you know, you know, police, those kinds of things. They want there. This is a this is a yearning for community from from my perspective. I hear where you're coming from, but I think that that might be even more of a baser demand in the sense that there's a lot of evidence that white doctors like make assumptions about black people's ability to feel pain in relation to white, like that, that the bodies are somehow different. Like there are white, like there are currently uh, agreed, agreed. doctors that think like the black people have literally thicker skin, like literal thicker skin, like insanity. Like how you went to medical school, right? And your racial bias in, inherent to yourself is so strong that you apparently that the education didn't take. Right. Well, I mean, again, and it's, and I don't know if this is, I, I don't, Again, I don't see it as I just see it as like these are big city problems, and how do we employ small town, like small town type approaches to big city problems, right? Well, and that's what I'm saying. So by creating this large, large sample of community, I mean this the, the problem will essentially snowball if, if if officers get enough you know adjudications against them. Eventually, the the, the department won't want to have them on staff. They'll they'll cost too much money to employ. Um, in this, in the sense of insurance settlements and whatnot, and you, you, we again, remember, I'm not. I think we need radical change. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm saying with the system we have right now, what could we change that would like actually have an impact on the way the department is run? Because I think the the only thing I, I confess to being ignorant on how like court procedures are amended as opposed to regular law. I don't know if there's a difference. Um, I know that police unions are obviously extremely powerful, and you know if anything is ever going to change, like the political leader is going to have to be willing to take on that union and, and maybe not get reelected because of the power, the, the lobbying power of the union. Um, I just think the problem ultimately is that, you know, right today is that judges, the way it's set up, judges side with police, prosecutors side with police, juries tend to side with police. They're told that this is a person you can trust sort of despite the fact that we have example after example of where the police lie for self-interest or lie just because they don't want to be wrong or, or whatever the reason is, or because they feel like they shouldn't have to be accountable. That might be, that might well be part of it as well. Just depending, yeah, and pe- depending on and people do that. And again, and people do that in all walks of life, right? Of course. I mean, there's just like, you know, you get called on the carpet and you're ready to like make a defense for yourself. And sometimes that defense is lying. And that's, and that's not a, and when you're talking about people who are there to uphold law and order for them to, for them to lie on the stand to protect themselves seems sort of counter to the, you know. Yeah, I mean the entire system to the, to the job. The entire system is set up to railroad you when you interact with the cops. It's really, I mean, it is really not there to help you. If you deal with a bad interaction with a police officer, there's very little in the way of uh, citizen justice that occurs for you. Um, depending on your level of privilege. And that, that's what I'm trying to sort of flatten out, right? Is this idea that you're, you're going to have the same experience if you have a negative experience with the cops. And just trying to create something that, that might be politically palatable to a lot of people who don't want to hear any of this, right? So yeah. this idea that p- most people are not against more voting, right? That's anyone who is is sort of a rank partisan and they, they have make bullshit arguments about why less people right. should be able to vote. Well, jury duty is already a big pain in the ass for most people. So, but like, this would be less even, even less often, I would think. Okay, I mean that's. Uh, it depends but, on the community you're in. <laughs> it depends on the community you're in, but the um, but yeah, I guess I guess what I'm what I'm trying to understand is is that you're 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 imagining a system where people are more involved and people don't want to be more involved. They might want to be in, but the numbers on the streets might say otherwise about this specific thing. I mean, I would I would say that that I mean, it would be interesting to me. And we can go long here because this is really interesting to me. Okay. But what interests me is like if we went onto the protest streets and found out how many people in the protest streets voted in the last presidential election, I think you might be shocked in terms of about the number. You know, it's one of those things where already you're talking about low percentages for, for voting in this country. Well, I think and, you saw what happened in 2018, though, in response to that, and what I, what we'll see what happens in 2020 because right. this is a different world now than 2016. I agree. I completely agree. I'm I'm expecting that voter turnouts are going to be much higher this time around. But what I'm saying is, I'm when you're trying when you're when you talk to people about trying to be involved in their community, and believe me, I just like in the last six months got more involved in my community, mm-hmm. and. I'm shocked at how many people don't really care to be involved in their community. So it's, it's, it doesn't. So I think that, I think that to, to, 
try to devise a system where you think that everyone would wants to be as engaged as you are in terms of handling these kinds of issues, I think you'd be shocked. I think you'd be like, most people don't care. Most people want, most people just want peace and quiet. They want to, you know, they want to go to their job. They want to come home. They want to, they want to, you know, watch some television and go to sleep. I mean, it's just kind of a, um, I mean, we're seeing a lot of people getting more involved right now, but just like, just like anything, just like waves crashing on the beach, they crash hard, you know, it flattens your sandcastle and then it backs out and then it becomes, and then it's calm for a little while. So movements like this are, are suffer from their ability to maintain momentum. I think this one's a little bit, this one's a little bit better timed. So outside of the pandemic part of it. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's not just the pandemic, but because, you know, there's going to be a, you know, the presidential elections in the fall. So it's going to be much more fresh in people's minds mm-hmm. as they as they move as they move in as they start receiving their ballots to fill out the fall. So we'll see. But you know, I I would love for people to be more involved in the community, and I would love to see you know the police be you know again more involved in the community. I mean, they, around here we have you know I think you know the town I the suburb I live in is twelve thousand people or so, and we do have like. Um, national night out where the police come and they go to the park and we all and everybody you know you get to meet them and and all these kind of, and it's a it's a really nice it's a really nice event really and 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 that's the that's their that's in in an effort to build that kind of community and relationship which you you just can't get in a you just can't get in Seattle it's just it's just impossible but that's the thing is with the, the large most Americans live in cities like from a population perspective. Sure. And so that's a problem I'm looking to fix, right? We supposedly have a say in who represents us and, and makes these laws. Um, but if those elected officials are powerless, you know, like mayors, you watch these weak mayors and they can't, they have not been able to really control the police department in many cases. Um, and if they're powerless to change the laws or the judiciary process, then we don't really have a say in how those laws are enforced. So do we really have a say in sort of the society that we live in if there's this self-governing enforcement body that sort of does whatever it wants. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the other thing about our system that is a little bit difficult, which our system, I like the American system of government. I'm just going to come say it. I like it, but here's, here's one of the big pitfalls of it. If you elect a, 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 a mediocre or poor leader, you're stuck with them for four years. You know what I mean? I mean, you're telling me. <laughs> well, I mean, that's but that's true. I mean, it's the same thing with mayors. I mean, if you don't think if you don't think Durkin's doing a very good job with Seattle, I mean, she's got a term to fulfill. And no, then I know. and then you can and then you can But here's what happens. When when her terms her, her terms over, if you decide she's not doing a good job and you'd like to give the job to somebody else, you're stuck with them too. So if they come in and they lay a turd, <laughs> I mean, but that's what happens. It just, it just, it's just how our gov. Our, it's just how our. But they should be getting help, right? She should be getting help. She should be getting help from other parts of the government in terms of like city council and all these other kinds of things. But it just, you know, Seattle's just kind of a bit of a mess at the moment. And and I wish and and I wish it was different. But you just have to again. You have to. You have to be a responsible citizen. You have to try to figure out who's going to be, you know, who's, I mean, you have to pay attention now. You have to get to know who's, I mean, you might go to somebody's rally or you might go to somebody's, you know, political, if you're voting for somebody who's going to represent you, you might attend one of their events and try to figure out if they're the right person for you. I mean, as opposed to just checking R's and D's. No, I participated in the primary process for the first time. Not, not just voting, which I usually do, but like actually engaging with uh, candidates and such. And yeah, so I mean, it, of- it just becomes more important, and in and for our area of the world right now, it's just really important to to get an effective leader. Um, it just, it just, it's everything's just you know, when the heat's dialed up this high, uh, little little uh, little missteps just turn into big big problems. Well, I was trying to focus mostly on response, but I mean, we have sort of spidered into the causes of these things. I think that if you look at city budgets for police versus basically everything else, it's it's almost like American military spending in relation to everything else. 
Um, and I think that's a huge part of the problem. I think, it, you know, across the, the entire nation, we have this spending on, you know, defense and, and, and policing in lieu of things that would actually help a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I'm not going to get into the politics of that spending, those spending choices and the, you know, that the fact that neither party really wants to rein that in in any meaningful way until most maybe very recently. I mean, let's not pretend like Obama wasn't a big, you know, wasn't the drone king. <laughs> Right. I, mean, I mean pluses and minuses right I right mean, that's he did some things that if you look closely it's like that that's not great but i think one of the big problems here is the only people you can call is the cops if there's something going on right so that's so when you said when you said you know no one no one wrote a song called f the fire department yes. right because the fire department has a very very clear rescue mandate right right it's like my house is on fire they come they put it out right that, that's that's something no one else can do for you. Well, we ask and, too much of police and then we yes. don't give them enough uh, or we don't, we ask too much of them in a, in a like be a social worker, deescalate, do all these things as opposed to respond to a situation that requires the force they, that you're always ready to bring with you. They have to show up to everything. Well, like, yes. like if your neighbor is yelling at your neighbor, your, your sp- the spouses next door are like going at it. Right. It's like you call the police. Right. Like someone break into your house, you call the police. Crash your car, you call the police. I mean, there's like they have to deal with a ton of stuff. And then if there's if if you call if you're if you get in a car accident and with somebody and maybe you're not hurt and then you call the police and it takes the police two hours to show up to your car accident, right? You're gonna be at, you're gonna be super angry and you're gonna say, why don't we have more police? I don't want more police though. I want people who are <laughs> whose job it is to deal with car accidents. That's the but hey. A department of the police. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be though, right? Traffic, you can easily traffic, empower traffic, traffic engagement, or whatever that you want to right. call it. But it's the police. Well, yeah, but you could basically have somebody who is a, like a neutral insurance adjuster, essentially, like who's just showing up, gathers the facts, and then makes a report to the city, and the city makes the report that says this is what our officer believes. Well, it doesn't maybe, have to be the maybe, police. Well, maybe that's maybe that is that the role of insurance. Maybe you should maybe you get a no, car accident, but then you have that. But then you have to deter. Yeah, but then you have to determine who's at fault. Who who determines who's at fault? Right, but that, that you. What I'm saying is, the here, here's the bottom line: is that five percent of all police calls are in response to violent crime, but police have to come to every interaction as if there might be a violent engagement, or at least yeah. that's the way they've been trained to interact. But but this is this is what we expect from the police. If I call the police for something, I expect them to show up in kind of a timely in a timely manner. So that's why I don't want more upon- police. I just want someone else to call for these other things. If there's a <laughs> new man on the street, I shouldn't have to call the cops. Why? Who else is gonna? Who's gonna? Who's gonna deal with the new man? You on the only street? say that because these these other departments don't exist. So there I could be a city? department of social like call, welfare. Like that I had, call, yeah. Okay, why can't you call, have social welfare field agents that aren't cops? Okay, that 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 are shifted like cops. Like if I see somebody sure. at three in the morning, two in the morning, somebody some social worker is going to come out at two in the morning to. See, you say social to, worker with like I can I can hear no, it in not your voice. social worker, but somebody who's not. But are we are are they? I mean, of course they're trained to deal with with people who have specific those kind of issues. But are they are they are they equipped to deal with somebody who becomes violent with them? Okay, so then send them do out. They need and, to, do they need to be accompanied by the police? Okay, I mean these are things we could work on. Yeah, I mean sure. I mean this is this is like I knew you're going to you drag me into this damn debate. <laughs> yes. Well, there's just specialists. I, mean, I understand, but you know this whole defund the police slash refund the police slash shift fund the police. I get it. I get it. I mean, if people want to find a, way, a new way to to try to try to attach specific specialties to the police that address. Sp- common social issues that we have in our city i think is a perfect thing to do i have no problem with it i think it's smart and for clarity for anybody who might not be under or might not be clear on what that hashtag means defund the police that's really what it does mean is spend the money on other things it might it might have not meant that at, to some people but that's okay it's okay that's kind of what it's evolved into i'm fine with it but that's what but, i always understood it to mean it's not any different than the right winger screaming about defund planned parenthood sure same deal Right. What about all the other services they provide? Well, we can get that elsewhere, and that's sort of okay. Right. We don't like the one thing you do, so let's right. defund the. Let's. We don't like the one of the fifty things that you do, so let's defund you. It's the same. It's the exact same argument. It, it's ba- it's baseless. So it just. But what I'm saying is, yeah. Why don't we add? Why don't 
I mean, why don't we, if we can, if there are people who are willing to do these jobs, like let's say you have that kind of the domestic violence, let's say there's a domestic dispute and cop and cops are called. Mm-hmm. You send a patrol car and then from the, from the police station, you, you, whoever's on duty, who's handling domestic, you know, domestic negotiations gets in a car and, and they, they also are accompanied to the, to the, to the, to the person's house where the, where the, where the issue is happening and the police allow that specialist to deal with these folks. And if things get violent, then we have somebody there who can at least handle a violent person. Yeah. And, and it makes perfect sense to me. And I don't know why they don't do it. I mean, just, it just seems like something you should do. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, I don't see the controversy in it at all. Well, I mean, that's I think what I'm getting. At. There's it's there's too much Judge Dredd shit going on right now. Yeah, and I mean we watch too many movies too. I mean we yes. I mean we went through the Bruce Willis bracket just the other day. <laughs> Bruce Willis is the cop that everybody would hate. Like he shoots everybody, he beats up everybody. Come on, I mean let's be let's be honest. We love those movies. He's a terrible police officer. We definitely have the police force that we need in the movies. Right. Not the one that we need in reality. But that's the. But again, it's it comes down to you know how how are we how are we recruiting people? The kind of training they're getting. There's Absolutely. a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on here, and I'm glad it's shaking out. I'm glad people are having discussions about it. I mean, I could I could I could do without the window breaking and fire setting, but well, I understand those are, those are opportunists. That's those, really that's not yes. But I mean, it's no one of, who is doing that is still out on the street. No, you know what I it's mean? part of the event. It's part of the, but it's again, it's part of that crashing wave. It's the initial part of that crashing wave, right? Yeah. And and I could do without that part, but I understand it's right now. It's sort of part and parcel of the whole thing. And and people who are peacefully protesting have can't control those people any more than the police can control those people. So I don't expect peaceful protesters to tell, Hey, you guy in the hoodie with the Molotov, will you put that down? <laughs> you know, it's like, there actually was a fair amount of evidence of people doing that. Like trying, like, yeah. trying, but they've got, again, it's, it's a, it's, it's not, it's also not their job as protesters to, to try to, to try to get their arms around bad actors. But, but the, uh, but, but like I said, I think the, the having the conversations is fine. Doing the makeover is fine. Learning from other countries who have certain advantages over us. Like mm-hmm. I know you gave me this this article about we uh, should come back to Norway. that at some point. Yeah, but I mean, again, you get. I mean, the president loves Norway so much. <laughs> we should take some cues. Well, you get you know you get a homogenous you get a more of a homogenous you get a more of a homogenous country who have you know they're you know they've got they've they've got. You know they're 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 a very high welfare state. Like most people ha- get their needs their needs met. There's a lot. Right. There's they don't have the Second Amendment. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of ex- there's just a lot of pluses that they have uh, that we don't, and and we have a lot of pluses that they don't too. So I mean, it's just our our challenges are different. So you have to you have to you have to be open to doing things a different way. And let's let's hope that let's hope that people who are in charge get there. I, I mean, I think this is the first time I've ever felt during a period of protest that I'm going to be disappointed when it's over. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if this one's going to end soon. I mean, again, I think that it's, it, again, it's fine for me that you know, if people want to continue to to push the, you know, to push the powers that be. I mean, <laughs> again, this is part of the whole part of the whole thing that the Chaz thing that makes me laugh is that both sides of you know how it gets portrayed from one side to the other is, is actually wildly entertaining you know so anyway well i reached I, I reached peak outrage the last thing i want to say about this is that i reached peak outrage when there was multiple videos of the cops just deciding to arrest someone who was speaking in a group setting like the line of police line of protesters this isn't major league if the guy calls you a cocksucker you don't get to take him to jail <laughs> right Right. right. And, and that's what, how the behavior was. And, and I read actually up on that, that there is some training that says in a crowd control situation, if there's an obvious leader, you need to suppress that leader's communicate, like his ability to speak to the crowd. And like, that's very un-American and extremely fascistic. Yeah. Um, to like, you know, if I'm yelling at you in this one, I mean, a lot of these people are not even, there's no swearing. There's just, I'm talking and I'm, I'm calling you out for your cowardly behavior. And I don't like, so the cops don't like it. And then they, they arrest people. And that, yeah. that's, I mean, I, I have a huge issues with cr- the crowd control approach and everything else that's happened, but that to me was the peak of this is not 
how things are supposed to go no, in this and country. I, and I agree. And, um, and I'll just, you know, pe- these are people dealing with other people and, and, you know, it's just, it's unfortunately, you know, people get either, you know, some people are just not good at it. You know, people, <laughs> some yeah. people just don't have, you know, the amount of personal control. They're in a position. Emotions are running hot. People are scared. I, you know, not to defend the police or anybody else, but it happens on both sides of the, on the, of the fence. You know, people are yelling, people are frightened. Other people have sticks, things are being thrown. It's just, it's a bad situation. And, 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 and it's, and it's, and I, and I hate to see, I hate to see it spiral out of control, especially with people who are obviously not dangerous threats, right? They're just, you know, it's just some, some person with a, and that's the thing, right? Disproportionate response. And people talk about the militarization of police, but militaries have discipline. Like you were talking about the, you know, pairing the police officer with a social worker or or whatever you want to call that person, a social officer, even if you want to go that far. Sure. Um, And that'd be great because what you need is a scenario where the cop doesn't unilaterally decide when to fire his gun. It like in a military situation, if you're the soldier, you basically make the final, you're you're not the person that makes the decision to fire your weapon unless you're taking fire. Right. Like, I mean, you do not get to decide to engage offensively unless you are ordered to do so. And that's not the way that police work. Right. Because they're out alone and they don't have somebody supervising with them. And I'm not saying that the, you know, that dynamic needs to change. But in a scenario where de-escalation is possible, the person who's skilled at that should get the get the first crack at it. Right. And I and I couldn't I couldn't possibly I couldn't possibly imagine what it'd be like to be a single officer in a patrol car in the middle of a city. <laughs> I just don't, I just, I just, I just, it's just something I can't imagine. I, I, I swear imagine. we had that, that bank robbery in LA and it just changed everything. The 44 minutes bank robbery. Do I, I don't remember. Do I remember that, that one? That's the one with the body armor and the machine guns. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And the cops were like hopelessly outgunned, and the SWAT right. response was slow. Yeah, and they were yeah. It's like down. I've got I've got a thirty eight revolver. Right. <laughs> this guy's got like and shotguns. A, this guy, yeah. Exactly. And they'd hit him multiple times, and they weren't you know they were wearing body armor. Yeah. 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 Anyway. All right. Well, that was much too long of a segment on that. That's okay. I mean, again, it's part of the. It's just it's just kind of what's going on. So it's definitely pent up. Yeah, that, this one's going to come back, I'm All sure. Right. Well, let's get lighter and go to segment number two. All right, in segment number two, which we were definitely going to shift gears. Uh, I, I saw this come across the newsfeed. It just went, you know, it came and went because it was, it was meaningless in the moment. Um, it's like five days ago or so. Wesley Snyder of Nederland midfield, a, a famous Nederland midfielder, and uh, <laughs> played for Real uh, Madrid, um, Ajax, and then uh, Inter as well. But he says that he could have been in the same elite bracket as Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. But I love his reason. But a weakness for wine held him back. So he had a spectacular season in 2010. Um, he, didn't, uh, he didn't win the Ballon d'Or. Um, he, Messi obviously won it that year, even though uh, Barcelona lost in the Champions League to um, Inter that year. I just I want to get to the wine part <laughs> because what he says is he's 35 now, right? And his career is essentially over. I mean, as far as right. top class soccer is concerned, but he says the quote is like, "I could have become like Messi or Ronaldo. I simply didn't feel like it." And I think that's a hell of a thing to say. That is the most ridiculous thing to say. I mean, this is my po- my my take on this is that that the mental aspects of any performance are more important than the talent that you have. Like your willingness to prepare and your willingness to, you know, your willingness to do what people, you know, I always tell, I always tell the kids, if you want to be really successful at something, do things that people won't or do things that people can't. Mm -hmm. And if you could, and if you, and if you'll do both, if you can do both of those, you become the best. Right. And, Obviously, <laughs> Mr. Snyder, Snyder wasn't willing to do what other people won't. Right? He's like, he's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, sure, you might have been a tremendous physical talent. We have we have armies of people with amazing physical talent. Mm-hmm. But what separates people like Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, or Tiger Woods, or you know Roger Federer, or any of these types of people, is just this. The mental talent. Yes. 
yeah, this is the, the reason I want to pick this up is because coming off the last dance and Jordan's maniacal competitiveness, and everybody always mm-hmm. knows that what drove him. Whereas, like, Wesley's basically, he took kind of the Shaq approach. Like, I'm just going to have a good time. Right. And Shaq was supremely talented and obviously much more successful in his sport than Wesley was. But but to just to say that, that I could have been as good as those guys, I just didn't want it, is just such a bullshit cop-out answer <laughs> that I, I, pay the, I pay those people no mind. It's just, you know, it's there's there's this whole... You know, this thought that, you know, I was a pretty good high school football player, but I was never going to be much more than that because I never really wanted to be much more than that. Right. Right. I I didn't have a desire to be. I didn't have a desire to 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 go to the next level or to be to be much more than just enjoying the sport for just enjoying it. Sure. I found this actually pretty relatable, to be honest. Like he says, like, you know, I enjoyed my life. Maybe I had a glass of wine at dinner. Leo and Cristiano are different. They have made many sacrifices and that's fine with me. And then he's, of course, my career, however, was still amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You got to love people like this. I mean, I just, I just, again, it's like, it's fun to, I mean, he was very successful. He made a lot of money. He's a good player. Yeah. I mean, there's no cl- there's no question about it. Like he was probably, you know, he's definitely a top player of his of his of his of his age, right? Like during his peak years as a as a footballer, he was he was in he was in the top he was in the top flight. Yeah, I think, and that's the challenge. So I think you see this a lot with athletes. Is that so? I know that I'm extremely goal driven, right? If if I if I work. If I'm at work and, and someone says, if you do these things, you're going to get this, then I'm 100% going to get all of that done. Right. And probably like a high, super high quality and fast. Yeah. Um, probably faster than that person would have wanted. Because then they're going to be like, oh, I wasn't ready to like give you. <laughs> I've oh, run into you. that more than once. <laughs> oh, you achieved all the goals we set in half the time I thought it was going to take you? Uh, oh, great. Uh, I don't have anything for you. <laughs> yeah, shit. Uh, but very relatable to like um, just – if I don't have that driver, if I don't have a carrot, I'm I'm not particularly intrinsically motivated to just be awesome all the time. Now I approach. We've talked about this before. I've approached everything I do professionally with you know the utmost care in the sense that I want it to be a high quality product. I don't want anyone to have to redo my work. I don't because I don't really I don't want to be questioned. Right. That's the other part of it. That's my motivation. <laughs> sure. If I give you something, I don't want to hear about it from you. Yeah. 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 Um, but I've also lamented before that I wish that, you know, my parents had sort of picked up on some of the talent, the stuff that I was better at than others. Like I played a lot of sports growing up. I was probably best at baseball. And if I'd had maybe the kind of parent that might have been willing to push me a little harder, I probably could have been, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could, yeah. So I could have what crapped out in college. Yeah. No, but which I mean, is basically what happened anyway. Yeah. I have a, I have a, you know, my daughter's a very talented golfer. Mm-hmm. She's very good. She doesn't have that burning desire to, she doesn't, she doesn't have the, I want to go to the range when it opens. I want to come home when it closes. I want to chip 500 balls a day. I want to hit two buckets of balls. I want to play nine to 18 holes every other day. Like she doesn't, she's just not that person. Right. But she's very talented. Yeah. And and as a parent, is it frustrating for you? As a parent, you can just say, you know, could I make her? Could I, could I put her in the car every day and drive her to the, the range every day? I could. But does that get her? Does that get her much farther than she would? Like when she wants to be there and she can get focused, she's great. Mm-hmm. But she just can't get there and focused every day. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't take her to the. I couldn't have her play golf every day, and and I don't think she would get better. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Just, I yeah, just you get tired of practice. It's like I don't right. do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it has to be fresh for her, but it's not fresh for her every minute of the day, like a young Tiger Woods. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just yeah. saying that there's just no, it's just, that's just not who she is. That's not where she loves it. She loves to play. She likes being good at it, but she is not, she's not the kind of person who's going to wake me up in the morning and say, let's get down to the thing and let's go get it. This right. is not, this is not, I mean, and my guess is the same with Wesley. Very talented, obviously practiced well. He was he was, but he had to, he had to want to do it and he didn't want to do it all the time. Fair enough. I mean, and that was, that was the point I was eventually going to get to before I sidetracked myself earlier was that I also think as a professional athlete, if you reach a certain level, 
Um, and you're like, well, uh, what, what am I going to get? More money and more women and uh, like an even fancier life? Like if the if the sport isn't fulfilling enough for you to like, to make that, that to have, for you to have that innate competitive drive, mm. then the external factors you're just going to get to a point where like it's a, it's diminishing returns. You're like, well, I have to I have to work twice as hard and I get you know basically you know incremental the same. <laughs> yeah, incremental gains and no real change in my lifestyle because I'm already making you know the elite money. Right. I mean that, and that's that's the. I mean that's the that's the part about like it's the same reason that there that no boxing champions come from like upper middle class households, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because you don't want to get hit in the face voluntarily, right? I mean, there's a hunger, there's a certain amount of hunger and fire you have to have to succeed in that sport, and it doesn't come from people who are comfortable. You can't grow up comfy, and my kids, thank God, I mean, and I did the same thing. I grew up pretty comfy, right. thankfully. And th- that's something that that um, you know she doesn't see she doesn't see golf as her quote unquote ticket out right ticket out of where <laughs> ticket out of <laughs> she's like I don't want to move out at all right. what are you talking I, about I'd like to just stay if that's cool I mean I mean that's the so you know so for people who say I could have been great but I just you know I didn't want it it's like okay yeah you didn't want it you didn't want it maybe you had the talent maybe you didn't maybe you know, didn't want it you know I it's it. it it's also sometimes a culture thing. Not, not always, but like I remember seeing an, an interview with uh, Ronaldo, original Ronaldo. Fat Even- Ronaldo. Eventually Fat Ronaldo. Not, <laughs> not, it wasn't originally Fat Ronaldo. But Ronaldinho as well, who, who kind of fell off and gained weight and like, you know, kind of became a shell of himself toward the end of his career. Sure. And there was this discussion, you know, sort of why don't you have this innate drive? And he actually blamed, blamed it on the Brazilian culture. He's like, in Brazil, if you reach the top of the mountain, the, the attitude is, that's it. I did it. It's not like reach the top and stay there. Uh-huh. It's just I'm trying to get to the top, and if you get to the top, congratulations, great. Now just enjoy yourself. Right. And so that that was his attitude. He said, I, "I made it. We won the World Cup. I was the best player in the world. There was nothing left for me to accomplish, so I wasn't going to continue to bust my ass to stay right. stay in that position." <laughs> right. And then there, yeah, again, it just it just comes down to like some some people just get comfy. Yeah. And I think you see this a lot with golfers too, right? You get the guys that seem like they they come on real hot. Yeah. And when they, you know, they really want to make an impact and then they might get, they, they're winning a couple of times a year yeah. and they just sort of win yeah. a little less every year. Guess, guess what? If I'm in the top 50 in the world, I get invited to all the majors. Yep. I get to live a pretty good life. I make, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not one you're of the guys scratching it out. If you're the 38th player in the world, the 35th player in the world, you God still get to have you. a normal like social life. Right. Yeah. And you get to make a lot of money. You get to play. I mean, and then you don't have to deal you don't have yeah. to deal with all the other bullshit. Like again, like the the amount of bullshit that Messi and Ronaldo and Cristiano Ronaldo have to deal with on a daily basis. Like in terms of the press and sponsors and all this stuff. I mean, most people don't have the the stamina for that. Most people most people couldn't deal with that. I think it's funny just to compare the two cuz Messi basically got past it by never saying anything, like just being super boring. Yeah. And then Ronaldo's the exact opposite. Like, I'm just going to be a preening lunatic at all times. I like, I'm, I'm totally, I'm I totally know, team CR7. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> all right. Segment number three. All right. In segment three, we're continuing on maximizing your potential here. And this time we're going to talk about names. So I have some interesting things about branding to share with you here. Um, one, 72% of consumers make purchases based on brand names. 9% of brands don't include their company name in their logo. 74% of people between the ages of 21 and 35 would pay more for a product with a brand name they like and trust. 72% of the 100 best brands are named with made-up words or acronyms. So we'll get to the brands, but th- what, what sparked this for me, the reason I put it on the sheet, was that I was thinking about how it's embarrassing to like Five Seconds of Summer, <laughs> mostly because they're called Five Seconds of Summer. Right, like they make really good pop rock music. Like, that, te- that first, that first five sauce record is really good. Well, I, I like the I second really one. I like Teeth. I think they're much it's interesting music to me. Um, there's some stuff going on in there. The Young Blood song is really good. Okay, you disagree? <laughs> no, I've I uh, there's there's one song I forget what the the song is like. It's exactly hungry like the wolf. Uh, <laughs> I think that's Teeth. Anyway, anyway. So that's that's what brought it to me. I was like, why do they have to be called this? <laughs> well, they got branded. I mean, I think people, I think brands sometimes, especially especially bands like that that are a little more, 
that are a little more, you know, geared toward teen pop. Mm-hmm. They get they get a name and then they grow up and they kind of can't shake it. I know, Even and they though, play instruments though. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> they did. They're, I think their their latest song. I, I know way too much Five Sauce. I have a daughter who listens to some Five Sauce, but they sound like Maroon Five now, which is just like whatever. Original Maroon Five. No, they now you they think, sound no, like. No, they don't. What, I haven't the, heard the that latest. latest the latest. The latest. The latest stuff that I've heard from them sounds like like new Maroon Five, which is a terrible. Oh, I don't know if I like that. What do you? But what are you gonna do? Anywho. All right. Well, I don't like, I like that. I like, well, I don't like every song they put out, but when they put out a good rock song, I do tend to enjoy it. I, I find it very re-listenable, mm-hmm. and, but I don't want to tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because they're called Five Seconds of Summer. Sure. So what other things was, can we explore that, that maybe didn't reach their potential for this reason? And the first one I come up with, I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Flow Rider. <laughs> Florida? Yes. So his entire branding is a dad joke, right? Yeah. And he makes music like it's 1996. Like right. he just he makes music as though the entire critical apparatus doesn't exist, the- that people who want good music don't exist. Right. He just makes straight party records that are embarrassing to listen to, and of course my young children love them. Right. Well, what's the blowjob song? The whistle, whistle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your kids like that song. They do. Yeah, <laughs> they like my house. My house is a good song. Those, again, it's it's the same kind of deal. Like he just makes these records. I don't know who he's making them for, but they find their way into your ear. And like it's sort of like that that early like Pitbull. <laughs> well, I was <laughs> going like, to bring up Mr. Worldwide <laughs> just after this. That's see, his name is perfect. Yeah. It's perfect for him. It encapsulates. He looks like, he, and he kind of looks like a pit bull. <laughs> no, he one hundred percent looks like a pit bull. <laughs> so, but my eight-year-old daughter figured out the. She's like, "Wait, flow Rita," and I'm like, "No, flow Rida." Like, I'm like, rapping is called flow. He's riding the flow, but he's the also from Florida. And she's like, <laughs> she looks at me with the big eyes because she figured it out. <laughs> like flow Rida, but Flo-ra. also Florida. <laughs> <laughs> So I had some others, uh, unless you had any offhand that you wanted to hit. No, go ahead. Like, okay. Keep, so the, keep it. the we, the we is a problematic name. I mean, no, it's supposed to be like we as in us. Like that's, that's what it's actually supposed to evoke. Like okay. we are going to play. And then the two dots is two people. That's what's what that branding is supposed to evoke. Um, but obviously it's we. Uh-huh. And when you have more than W-E, anything else is going to be a urine reference. <laughs> And so, and then, and then to follow it up with the Wii U, I think the Wii U really just died on the vine because it was called the Wii U. The, so, I mean, did they get rid of that branding entirely? Did Nintendo just dump, dump the? They just dumped the brand. Yeah, the Wii U is like one of these things that the hardcores are like is unfairly maligned. <laughs> the Wii, I mean. You know, Nintendo's got its issues. I mean, I mean, they. I guess the Switch has been a pretty big hit for them. Yes, but but they did. You know, I liked I liked the Wii when it first came out. I mean, sure. that little that motion, that whole motion gaming thing. And but I didn't like that it was called the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It didn't it didn't bother me so much. Okay, but I I hear you say it. All right, some other stuff that I found. Um, so we've talked a lot about the Predator lately. Uh, there's some costuming here where it is predator gloves that you would wear for a costume for a okay. child. All right. And so the label says child predator hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes people just don't think it's like the, uh, South Lake union trolley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Don't create an acronym. Like don't... just put it, just write it down once. <laughs> <laughs> But that's but that's the perfect thing. Everybody, like every every group that does this kind of stuff, like branding and naming, should have somebody who's got the attitude of like a twelve year old boy. Yes, because they would they would point out all the dick references and horrible acronyms that come out of whatever you're trying to whatever you're trying to brand, whatever you're trying to name before people get too far down the down the road on uh, on those things. So I got some more business names for you. All right. Nothing quite as funny as Child Predator Hands. Child Predator Hands is amazing. Uh, in Newark, Delaware, uh, Analtech. <laughs> Do you know how it's spelled? 
A M A L. That's correct. And, well, uh, my God, it's analysis you know, like, technology, right? I That's know it <laughs> is. I know it. I know what they're getting at. But <laughs> well, and the logo is a like a, a flame inside of a triangle. So it's like a round dot with a tail going up to the top of a oh. triangle. Oh my God. It's something oh. else. That's amazing. They've changed their name. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, I hope so. God, Animal yes. Tech. The, back in the, uh, in the early days of the internet where, when everyone was doing, um, there's a, there was a uh, site called Experts Exchange. Oh, yes. Before they put the dash in it. Yes. <laughs> before they put the dash between experts dash exchange now before it was just expert sex change yes. which was i remember <laughs> yeah i think a lot of those i think there's a lot of examples of people getting getting uh bad urls just just they just weren't thinking about you know the limitations of the internet in in that way you know i did um as as you brought this up i thought i have like a i thought i'd give you a little quiz because there are bands or famous music acts that were something else before they became famous okay so would you like to give it a try sure this duo was called tom and jerry before they uh before like they started in the 50s very 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 famous they were they started as tom and jerry I mean, I want to say like Tom Jones and Jerry Lee Lewis, but that can't be right. <laughs> no, they changed their names to become Tom and Jerry. I don't know why. Okay. But that was the original name of uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, that was that was the next one that popped into my head. Yes. Did they right. think it was going to be funny? Was it was it cartoon no, popular? Were they yeah, trying to I like? Yeah. They, I guess they didn't think Simon and Garfunkel was going to work, so they changed their names so they'd be Tom and Jerry. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Okay, the square roots. Um, give me. Give me you gotta give me something else. Like you give me some. They context. just. They just. That was just too long, so they became something else. The roots. No, the roots. They were originally the square roots. Okay. Not nerdy enough. Of course, you know this one, Mookie Blaylock. Oh, that's Pearl Jam. Yeah. Pearl Jam. I, how come they, they've been dodging the fact that Pearl Jam is just a euphemism for sperm, right? Yeah, I don't think they. They never cop to it. it. No. They never cop to it. But that's what it is. Yeah, Pearl Jam. Yeah, that's like the band now. It's a Milky Chance. <laughs> like really, <laughs> right? Oh, Jesus. All right. Um, how about let's see here, the Obelisk. <laughs> think, think Moody. Think the eighties. Think Obelisk. Uh, the Smiths. What? That'd be that's a good guess. It's actually the Cure. Oh, that was be my next guess. Yeah. Um, smile. Oh, that's Obelisk. It's such a right, God. right. You know, Robert Smith is like with the Obelisk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a boner joke. Right. And now we're the Cure. Uh, smile. Smile. They were. They are. Um, they are. It's just. It's just. I mean. No, it's Queen. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, smile. Really? Is this what this is what they came up with? That was Freddie Mercury's teeth, man. <laughs> he had extra teeth, yeah. and they wanted to make sure that uh, that people knew. Well, yeah, you wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's a truth in advertising, right? Right. There's there's, there's good. Uh, we may come back to this sometime some other time. But All right. it's 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 good that they, of course, make it. Here's a you know the Black Crows were Mr. Crow's garden. Mm. Before they became the black. That's girls. worse. That's worse. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of these. All of them are generally worse because you know them as as famous bands. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know. Well, no. I had a couple other businesses I wanted to mention. I know okay. we're running long already, but uh, just because since Matt and I talked about the need for more puns in businesses, and that's kind of also <laughs> what what you know had this going in my brain. Do we really need more puns in business? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> so this is Sam and Ella's Chicken Place. <laughs> <laughs> Sam and Ella's. That's yeah. great. Oh, Chicken I Palace, actually. Sam and Ella's Chicken Palace? Yeah. God damn. That can't be an accident. <laughs> it can't be, no. There's no way. I always like these, you know, there's, there's those pictures of those restaurants and the gas stations where it says, eat here and get gas. Mm-hmm. 
Those always make me laugh. Yeah, there's a restaurant on here that I wasn't going to mention called Poopsies. <laughs> so I'm kind of just like, really? Hey, let's go eat at Poopsies? Hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's hard to know whether these people are doing it on purpose. I think this is their last name, but they like, Pass More Gas and Propane. So Pass More Gas Company. <laughs> Pass More Gas. Pass More, P-A-S-S-M-O-R-E. Yeah. Pass More. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last one was there's a discount tobacco and beer shop in Cleelum. You know what it's called? What what kind of what shop is it? It's a it's tobacco and beer. Okay, what's it called? Chewing butts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the what's the old? There's that joke. It's like a liquor store card room where it's liquor in the front, poker in the rear. Yeah, that's a you Big know. Johnson T-shirt. No, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wear that around. Big Johnson's bar and liquor. I'm gonna I'm gonna Our wear bar that. And casino. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna wear wear that to the NASCAR uh, race. All right. Well, those of you that are still tuned in, you know what time it is. <laughs> Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! <laughs> Dad jokes of the week. Woo! All right, so again, I, I promised some good ones here. And uh, first we have listener submission, uh, a couple from Brian. So he, he was offended that I didn't include him last week, and I had to explain to him that I recorded that, that episode with Matt not knowing exactly when we would run it. And then the world caught on fire, and we ended up talking about it a little bit more than I expected, so we ended up pushing it out. Um, plus, you got to have a nice week off. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But thanks, Brian Hughes, as always, for uh, uh, sending in a couple of jokes. Um, so here's his first one. My favorite film is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I love a protagonist with a twisted backstory. <laughs> That's right on the edge of offensive. Good job, Brian. My wife just uh, handed me a restraining order. Who knew there was an incorrect way to use a colander? Thank you, Brian, for your contributions. <laughs> now to get back on schedule. Doctor, I keep feeling like a dog. Please help. How long has this been going on? Since I was a puppy. What's the difference between the sun and a loaf of bread? One rises from the east, the other from the yeast. <laughs> that bit's, I don't know why that's funny, but it is. Uh, a teenager lost a contact lens while playing basketball in his driveway. After a brief fruitless search, he gave up. His mother took up the cause and within minutes found the lens. How did you do that, he asked. We weren't looking for the same thing, she explained. You were looking for a small piece of plastic. I was looking for $150. I used to be a member of a secret cooking society, but they kicked me out for spilling the beans. <laughs> I think we might have heard that one before. I took the shell off my racing snail in the hopes that it would speed him up. If anything, it just made him more sluggish. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the Ryan Reynolds uh, voiced snail movie where he's like a super fast turbo snail? turbo? I can understand why French bakers hate me. I feel they're fine. <laughs> you feel they're pan? <laughs> yeah, I feel they're fine. They're pan pan. What is the best exercise for unmotivated people? Diddly squats. <laughs> That's my specialty, by the way. Doing yes. diddly squat. Why is there music coming from the printer? Papers jamming. Papers jamming. <laughs> PC load letter. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's pretty obvious what that means. Huh? Really, you're really stupid, Michael Bolton. <laughs> An independent university study has determined that a leading cause of cancer in laboratory rats is scientists. <laughs> that's the leading cancer. That's like the leading. That's like the leading. Uh, the leading cause of uh, divorce is marriage. Yes. Yeah. That's a good, that's a, that's a good that, joke. That's a good joke construction. Yeah, it's a little bit on that literal train we talked about a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. What did the Tin Man say when he got run over by a steamroller? Curses! Foiled again. <laughs> Foiled. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. That's a good one for the kids. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, do I have a joke this week? Do you? I do. In the future, everyone will use highlighters. Mark my words. <laughs> I also wrote one this week. I was, I, we're running long. I was going to save it, but now, now I feel compelled. All right, do it. I was making tacos the other night and thought the onion looked okay to eat, but after I chopped it, it looked pretty dicey. <laughs> Yay. Original material. I love it. Are we going to do an overtime? Sure. Let's go to the overtime. <laughs> 
overtime. All right, in the overtime, um, I had a couple of things, but really I wanted to touch on the uh, industrious man from Oregon who a few weeks ago back in late April, I guess it's more than a few weeks ago now, although it feels like it was 10 days ago. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I want to get sucked into this, but it was really weird how the first six weeks took forever. And then the last six weeks have felt like, uh, I don't know, three or four days. <clears throat> because time is a flat circle. Yeah, I know. I don't like it. Um, so this gentleman, Twitter user Squeezy Jibs. <laughs> <laughs> First of all. Yeah. He looks like a Squeezy Jibs. Uh, why is he wearing underwear around his neck? Uh, he's wearing it as a mask. <laughs> he's wearing like a neck gaiter. You should just get a handkerchief. Somebody replied to him saying, I like the Hanes mask you got on. He's like, they're moisture wicking. What's his response? <laughs> <laughs> performance okay. underwear. All right. Okay. <laughs> He's making a face that says, my name is Squeezy Jim. <laughs> He's got what looks like. Uh, what, how many, how many nuggets does he have here? Yeah, let's see. Um, it's a lot. It's at least um, twelve. Eleven. He went to eleven different Wendy's restaurants twice in the same day. Yes. Okay. So he must have twenty-two that we can't. He must not have them all here. No. No. Because yeah, twenty-two times four. He had eighty-eight. He ended up with eighty-eight because they're four-piece. You get free four-piece McNuggets. Yes. And the reason I wanted to mention this is because it's somewhat local to us. Because uh, he went through Portland and then Vancouver, Washington. So just across the river. So he's doing multiple multiple state runs. <laughs> And then when he tweeted it, that Wendy's like just was like good for you, basically. That's right. just imp- straight up impressive. And I just, how do you feel about this man's industrious nature in this age of we're doing something nice for the community and one man's running around gobbling them all up? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I mean you you set the you set the you set the rules. So you know, even Wendy's were just like. That's impressive. They loved. It. <laughs> they were. They were. They. But here's the thing, right? So he drives. So that loop was sixty three miles. So he drove a hundred and twenty, a hundred and twenty six miles. If his car got what twenty twenty five? Let's mm-hmm. call it twenty five. So twenty five. That's like maybe what, let's do 25. twenty for easy, right? So it's. 25 let's do 25 because okay. that would be five that'd be five right. gallons of gas yes so five gallons of gas if you're not taking advantage of any discounts probably 350 what yeah at least at least 17 dollars. 17 dollars. yeah not to mention the cost of your time but maybe maybe squeezy doesn't have anywhere to go yeah and i'm pretty sure four piece nugs is one dollar <laughs> so he might have saved himself five bucks right. and it took him but he drove five hours it took him five hours and he drove a he drove 126 miles. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's an amazing, it's like an amazing accomplishment. Right? Like if, <laughs> if you had nothing to do yes. and you decided that this was what you were going to do today, great. I mean, funny. Because, but listen, it's, you, you, you could, you could have gone, you could have gone to the, you could have gone to the Safeway and bought the Foster Farms giant pack of nuggets for, Five fifty, yes. five bucks. Get the yum box. And the, the double size yum box on sale, and you could have gone home and you know drank your own beer and watched TV and ate ate a ate a giant bag of nuggets for for five bucks. Well, clearly, Squeezy Jibs does not value his time very much. <laughs> <laughs> I did like so, that he you know Twitter users did point out to him that he probably spent more money on gas, exactly the point you're making, um, than if he had just paid for the nuggets. But his response was. Well, the tank the tank was already full. <laughs> so that's not how money works. <laughs> the tank was full. <laughs> you see, the tank was already full. Right. I didn't need gas. I already had it. Right. You just spent ten hours in your car or whatever. Five, five hours. hours in your five hours in your car. I don't know, maybe you got nothing to do. I get it. I get it. Like sometimes sometimes mountains just need to be climbed. I guess so. And squeezy and squeezy saw an opportunity and 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 you know, achieved mild notoriety for his for his his achievement. I mean, we're talking about it. I mean, so you know, 
I mean, so good for him. So if, in that case, it was worth it. But from a from a chicken nugget eating perspective, it's is he gonna of, freeze these nuggets? Like, what are you doing? What's gonna have happen? You ever, have you ever eaten cold, like fast food nuggets? It's, it's, Jesus, it's, the second they the second they cool down by half, man, they just are awful. Uh, I'm Susio. I'll eat those old chicken nuggets. So kids oh don't eat. <laughs> man, those especially McDonald's. Like McDonald's, if you're if you're knocking them down and they're still a little bit hot and a little bit crispy, like okay. Oh, I'll and eat that foam one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or it turns they, it's like is it like a packing peanut? Like like it run it it runs like the graph runs down at a slight angle, then it reaches a certain point, and then it just falls into the abyss. It's like that thing just becomes god awful. Like you can't you can't eat those. They're just, they're just no good. Yeah. Congratulations to Squeezy Jibs for pulling one over on Wendy's. Yeah. And shout him, out. To and him. himself. <laughs> Congratulations. You played yourself. <laughs> all right. That's our show. Our thanks to all of you for listening to the two on three pod, where we hope you're staying safe, staying healthy and avoiding chemical respiratory agents in the middle of a pandemic respiratory disease. If you don't already, please subscribe and or review via your favorite podcast provider. And don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next week with more pop culture, life strategies, and existentialism. And until then, Chaz! 